AEC Business, the construction industry's innovation and technology show. Hello and welcome to episode 122 of the AEC Business Podcast. My name is Arni Heiskanen and my guest is Jevan Kalaniti, the CEO of Open Space. We are going to discuss digitalization of the construction industry and Open Space's recent research on the topic. Jevan, it's uh, great to have you on the podcast. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm sure um, that many of our listeners already have heard about Open Space, but perhaps you could start off by telling a bit about what your company uh, is and what you do. Sure. Yeah. The concept behind Open Space is pretty simple. We use advanced computer vision in AI to do something simple. We make it very easy to have a complete visual record of any project inside and out, such that you can see what's there without literally needing to be there and see there was there today, yesterday, five years ago. So we try to build up this system of record, the ground truth of what's actually on the project that anybody um, that needs to know can check out. And with all that data, we build uh, AI-powered analytics tools that can do things like compute percent complete, um, objectively measure schedule, things like that, um, so that we try to leverage that data for the benefit of, of our customers. Perhaps you could uh, tell a little bit about your thoughts on the recent surge in contact investments. Why do you think the investors have become so interested in, in this industry? There are a variety of things that motivate the investment community to do X, Y, or Z. Um, and I have a little personal experience um, with this in the sense that um, after I sold my first company and did my tour of duty at the acquiring company, which was fun, I spent a little time at a venture fund called Lux Capital, which is a pretty big fund, I think two or three billion under management that invests in deep technology companies um, as an entrepreneur in residence. So kind of got into that mindset and it was a, a nice place to launch open space. Um, so there are myriad reasons, but what I think I'd boil it down to is that there is a sense that there's a large opportunity um, for technology to make a difference in this industry. Really in a simple way, if you just look at kind of a very top down high level understanding of tech spending and construction, the overall penetration of technology use, it's just a lot lower than it is in many other industries. And so um, that's like a target that, that investors might say, hey, well, that's an opportunity for technology to make a difference. Now that's a very high level concept, whether a given technology company will or will not be successful for the customer, of course, is really the open question. And that's up to the companies themselves to solve. And I have a lot of thoughts about why construction um, has not adopted technology as much as say, you know, name any other industry, but we can talk about it a little later if you wish. Also, it's a fact that there is a lot of money <laughs> that is looking for investment opportunities. That's generally true, right? I think um, just globally, forgetting about construction technology, there is a lot of capital trying to find a home for returns. Um, and so, Venture and technology has been a place where people view it as an asset class where they can make money. And of course, this is a cycle that goes in and out depending on what's going on. And I think for those of us uh, that are, have our careers trying to build these companies to serve these customers, you just have to, you know, 
not get too concerned about those waves. You know, if you're building something of value, something good will happen. About the survey, um, can you tell us about the survey, uh, why you did it and, uh, and with whom? Yeah, totally. So um, the survey for us was just to better understand our customers who we serve. You know, uh, there's a lot of ways to learn about um, them. And and of course, we spend I've spent a lot of personal time talking to them. Our our team does. Uh, and surveys are just another tool to figure out what's going on out there. So be most responsive to to what the customer needs. That's why we exist after all and we wanted to learn really is how have the last year or two changed the mindset of the of the construction professional broadly speaking there's a lot of stuff that's changed right especially the pandemic and we wanted to understand hey we're hearing all these anecdotes and stories is this real or is it just somebody saying something and so um I think the survey more or less proved some of our hypotheses, took our anecdotes and, oh yeah, it's actually really true. I mean, I think the thing that I find most interesting or one of the things that we found interesting is um, this stat that the respondents thought that 91% of the survey respondents said so they had observed someone, one of their colleagues who didn't use technology begin to embrace it over the past year. And that's a really big number And it's it's kind of a subtle question, but I think it gets at something pretty important, which is there's this perception that um, people in our industry are kind of naturally averse to new technologies or even new processes. Um, and I think this shows that if that was ever true, it's definitely not anymore and definitely not right now, which I think, you know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, reasons to, to uh, suggest for why that is. Um, I mean, for me, I think one of the big reasons is the pandemic, of course, just forced a lot of change on the industry that it had to adapt to. And there's other reasons, too. Do you think that this you're, you're seeing actual change in beha behaviors or is it more like a change in attitudes? Well, I think the change in attitude is creating change in behavior is the way I would say it. Um, and. By the way, I think it's very important to point out that while we tried to survey our customers pretty broadly on technology in general, it's not a one-size-fits-all story. Um, if you have a certain technology you're bringing to this market, if it's not doing something useful, <laughs> then it doesn't matter if people are more open to things now. Um, so I, I think that's a kind of obvious statement, but an important caveat. Um, but with that said, I feel like Um, the change in attitude has been kind of a fewfold. One, I think people that had a certain process, their businesses were doing well enough compared to the way they thought they should go. We're like, we're just going to go for it. Like, why should we talk, try new things? Then there's a shock to the system. It's like, no, you cannot continue to put as many people on the job site, for example, with a pandemic. So how are you going to adapt to that? Um, and they're like, well, I don't want to go to business. So like, what is out there that helps me survive through this? Number two, the people that I think that are more open to change and pushing and trying new things, they're suddenly empowered, right? They're like, hey, Billy's the guy who's always trying out new stuff. What does he think we should do? And they're like, Billy's like, well, there's this company open space or, or whatever, right? That we've been trying out. I think we should just expand it. Um, 
And I think you were, we're just that attitude of like, we have to change um, has led to behaviors where people are willing to try more things um, and adopt them too. And I think it's broken down the barrier between those folks that are trying new things and those people that are actually well and truly in charge of what we're in fact going to buy and implement for reals as part of the new SLP for, for my company. So you also asked, asked the, um, uh, respondents about their uh, views on on the on the f future of technologies. What, what kind of technologies did the, the, the respondents find as the most impactful in the in this year or in the in the in the coming years? But we found a few things. Like one, there's a general feeling that um, BIM will get more adoption. I think one of our stats is 79% of our respondents included either BIM coordination or BIM modeling as something they'll see more of in the future. Um, and so we're seeing that now, I, I to be honest, um, interpreting that one is interesting because I, and I don't know how this data, but I wouldn't be shocked if that number has been the same for the past five, 10, 15, 20 years. Um, so, um, whether or not that feeling will result in genuine change, I am, I am not totally sure. I, I think it will actually, there's a few reasons why I think, um, BIM is becoming a little will become a little bit more adopted, and I think it's because of the other other thing that we found that about a third of our respondents um, really talked more about digital replicas of the job site. So that's something that Open Space does, right? An ability to capture and manage what's in fact there, um, and so we saw that as a, a big trend that people see that they're adopting, and it solves a lot of problems. Of course, if there's fewer people. Um, that you can get on the job site or pure people in the labor force, well, you need to get the job site to people where they are. Um, there's just no other way around it. Um, it just becomes absolutely vital to have this type of information at your fingertips. Um, and I think that may be driving some of the, the percentage responses on BIM, actually, because it's starting to make BIM a little bit more user-friendly. What I mean by that is I think Generally speaking, it's been kind of in the domain of like the VDC manager and the folks in the field are like, dude, don't care. <laughs> Just like when I'm building, give me the drawing, doesn't matter. And even opening up and looking at the model was like very scary. You know, it's like you need to have this, you need to have the powerful laptop with some software I don't understand, like Pampas works or something. I think with the with the digital replicas, you can do something that makes sense to the field. Like, here's the reality on the left of my screen. Here's the model. Okay, well, I get that. I can see what the difference is. And then some of the technology advances have been in just making model viewers that can open up in a browser. So you don't need this complex tool to look at it. So I think those trends are actually reinforcing one another such that um, we might see the model get used a, a little bit more, especially by people in the field. One thing that I've noticed is that at many times tech developers don't really understand what's happening on the side and what what the conditions are there and 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 how difficult it is oftentimes to use technology that is fairly easy to use in the office environment. Have you experienced any of that? Oh, one hundred percent. Yes, I mean, open space is based on that that knowledge. <laughs> so. Um, you know, we, or I personally was, you know, working on building products for this industry before open space field products. 
and just spending time on the job site. And then um, when Mike and Philip and I got open space started, we, you know, we had enough, um, I guess, experience or call it whatever you want or time to, to bootstrap the idea without feeling like we needed to raise money right away or anything, which was basically, should we start this idea or not? You know, and uh, because of our past relationships with owners and general contractors, we were just in the field every day, you know, to see what was really going on. And um, I, I totally agree with you that I think people just don't have a sense of what it's really like. And that's not good for any company. Like you have to know what actually your customer's daily life is like. And if you're not improving it in a very concrete way, then they're not going to adopt whatever you're building. I've got two uh, two different thoughts on that. One, an anecdote, and one kind of a conceptual framework, if you will. So as an anecdote, um, there's a company I knew that I was giving some advice to that was a robotics company working on a rover, like a wheeled little robot. Um, and they were trying to do something in delivery, um, kind of like a DoorDash robot. Uh, pretty advanced technology. And um, they were having some struggles with product market fit and I was doing paying them a visit and they were like, hey, you know, you're like doing stuff in construction. Maybe we can have this robot like scan construction job sites. And I was like, look, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I think telling entrepreneurs and CEOs what to do is not a winning strategy. But just if before you decide to do that, please just come with me to one of our pro customers projects and then decide because I'm like, this, this is, this was back when open space was just going to off the ground, but I had enough experience. I was like, one of our job sites, it's a big mud pit because it's right. Your robot will not work. The other one, um, in order to get around, there's a ladder you have to climb. <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, the robot's just not going to do that. Um, and, it's kind of like, oh, well, there you go. And then the, the other thing I would say on, on, this, um, on this idea of whether you're, you understand your customer and the technology is useful, I think there's a lot of ideas kind of intellectually around ROI that, okay, well, if we show a return of X and the investment is Y, and if the delta is positive, then we're good to go. Like ROI has two variables, return and investment. And I kind of think that misses something because you know, if the investment is really a lot, even if the return is high, it's just hard for anybody to adopt those sorts of things in, in, in any industry, in, in consumer life, you know? Um, and so I think what you kind of want to do is take that I term down to as close to zero as possible. Like make it very easy for people to use whatever you're bringing. And then you might have a shot of giving them value. And I think when you're in the field, you'll kind of understand how important that is because Asking folks that are on the job site to do something new is, it's not because they're stubborn. It's just because they're like the busiest people on the face of the planet. Um, and, you know, no one likes to have to try and do new things if, if it's going to like potentially waste their time. Your, your survey touched on the lack of skilled labor and, and how technology might help in that, that respect. But do you see that? More and more of the construction management work will be remote in the in the in the in the future. Yes, I do, um, and I think that's just not because it's like definitely 
better exactly. I think it's because it's just the only way forward. Um, when you think about the complexity of projects, the talent required to deliver them effectively, um, having to have everybody on the site every day is just, it's already a non-starter. I mean, you, you see that economically with the various shortages you have in the industry across many different roles. Um, so I think, I think yes, for that reason. But I'd also argue that it does have legitimate advantages too. Not to say that this remote work replaces being on the job. Of course, you need to be on the job to build the building. There's no replacing that. Um, but there are real advantages to being able to see and inspect what's there at your own pace, to look at exactly what you want and spend the time, um, and to be able to collaborate in a way that is that is super crystal clear, where you don't have to be standing next to the person pointing at the thing at the right moment at the right time. You can like add a note to a system where everybody can see what it is, no matter where they are or when they are. Um, these are the types of productivity gains that people that have worked behind computers have enjoyed for the past 20, 30 years as the internet has developed. We take them for granted now, but you know, being able to make your slides and Google slides and then to share them with people and collaborate is like way easier than having to like print something out and put it on someone's desk and back and forth. That hasn't been possible for people in construction to have that benefit really until now. That's why I think, um, you know, technologies like ours are pretty impactful because they bring that power of software to a industry that that where it wasn't possible before, not because the industry was like not wanting to do it. It's because the technology just wasn't mature enough to actually land where it was useful for, for these, uh, for these users. Um, yeah. So I think we'll see, I think we'll see more, more and more of it. I think, uh, I guess the last thing I'll say is it's not just an intellectual point about productivity. It's just a felt and lived experience. You know, it's like, wow. I didn't have to drive across town today for this meeting. I just was able to log in and see it. That I'm never going to go back to the old way, you know, or I didn't have to like fight with this person about whether this did or didn't happen. We just looked at on our computers for two minutes and resolved it. Like, I'm not going to go back to the old way. And so that's, um, that's why I see that trend kind of, continuing and we we measured this too and we kind of found that in uh, some of our other survey results you can either amend and enhance existing processes or replace them with new hopefully more efficient processes how radical a change do you think we need in order to deliver great results uh, profitably um, when the all the customer user environmental and other requirements are increasing that is a great question it is a great question i think um i'll answer that from like the entrepreneur's perspective which is the way that we can create change is things that mean something to our customers pretty much right away so ripping out a process totally wholesale is it can be done but it's like quite challenging to do it's like your odds of success are pretty low um so you've got to find a way to make what appears to be an incremental improvement. And then you stop there and you win and you did something good. Um, but what you can also do, happens sometimes, doesn't happen others, is you make an incremental improvement that then creates a cascade effect that 
seems transformative five years later. Um, so that's how I think change gets made. Of course, there are big top-down changes that governments can make and things like that. Um, but to answer your question more directly, um, I mean, I do think that there has to be some pretty large changes um, to how we build and maintain buildings to like solve the problems that the customers of our industry, i.e. tenants and people that live in humans, basically, that use buildings to live, work and play. I think there are some important changes that need to happen. Basically, I think it is, it's just too darn expensive and takes too long to build buildings. I mean, it's kind of a stupid, obvious thing to say, but I think it's true given the scale of the problems we're trying to solve in different parts of the world have different problems. Like in some developed countries, it's housing. Like it's just too expensive uh, to live in uh, various cities. Um, there's gotta be a way to make it more affordable for more people, um, more infrastructure. Um, there's gotta be ways to like produce energy more cleanly um, and that sort of thing. All these problems have to go through the building industry somehow um, and making it just less expensive to do so, I think is, is pretty important. So I think about what I'd call a large change, like prefab or modular, that, that I would call a large change, right? That's like pretty different to how we've been doing things, generally speaking. And I think that would be great to see more of that, you know? Um, and then I think there are things like, I think like us that, that seem like small changes and are adopted quickly, um, and, and spread pretty quickly. But I also believe that we can have some pretty profound effects too. We'll see. Well, we uh, already talked a little bit about funding and money. Your company got Serious C funding last April, um, I, I, I read somewhere. So what has it allowed you to do? Right, yeah. Yeah, we were um, fortunate. We raised our Serious C round as a $55 million round. So that means our company is... Um, it's, we've got a nice balance sheet um, to, to really make the changes that we want. Now, luckily for us, the, the business itself has been growing very rapidly. Um, so uh, we're there are some companies that are sort of cash eating machines. Um, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Like if you're doing something that's really expensive to do, like, you know, building rocket ships or or robots or something. It just is expensive to do that. Um, so I don't mean to like cast aspersions by, by saying that, but, um, but for us, it is, uh, it basically what I think the important thing it allows us to do is fewfold, fewfold. One, like we know by this point that what we're doing and the value it brings is, is real. And when people try open space, they keep using it and they keep using it, they expand it. Um, that was our hope when we started the company, but now it's, it is true in our usage numbers, our revenue numbers and all that. So what that tells us is, well, the risk that people sort of don't like open space is basically very small. So if that's the case, then really any project that could benefit from it should use it. So funding allows us to have a strategy to just sell and market the technology more broadly and globally. So that's one of the things that we wanted to invest in. And it takes time to do that sort of stuff, right? So 
um, you want to invest in, you know, a given region and then it takes time for it to turn on. So that's, that's an important thing. Um, we have a very ambitious technology roadmap. Um, we are, we pride ourselves on our, on our technology, um, and using it to deliver great product experiences, you know? So, um, having the resources to get, to continue really to get the best and brightest, uh, people is another thing we can do with that funding. Um, I think the last thing is kind of, kind of psychological almost, but I think for our customers, look, I'll tell you a lot of them could care less about how much we've raised. They're like, this thing works, who cares? We like it, we'll use it. Um, I do think that there are a set of our customers, broadly speaking, that um, they wanna know a company is gonna be around for the long haul. And you know, there's a lot of startups that have even good ideas that just die because they're mismanaged or there's a million reasons, right? Um, and so if you're a customer having some signal that like, okay, these guys are like $80 million, that's a lot of money there. You know, I'm not just gonna like, die in a month and that makes me feel better about choosing that solution um that's not a reason to raise money but it, it certainly helps and i think certain ones of our customers like do appreciate that it's kind of like counterparty risk to put it in insurance terms you know you want to make sure that if you're working with someone that they're going to be able to uh make good on the promises they're making to you so those are some of the reasons um that we raised the round and chose to do it and that we feel like it'll help us build a company in the future. Um, so, so how, how global are you already? Well, you know, we have customer projects in I think like 78 countries, maybe something like that, 76. Whoever gets that number exactly right. And if I'm wrong, I apologize, but it's something in their seventies. Um, and so, uh, and I think the reason for that is open space, it solves a problem that is not particularly unique to any region. Um, if you're building or maintaining a building, like we add value kind of almost no matter what type of project it is, especially based on the way the technology works and its simplicity. Um, so we have a lot of demand coming from other, other um, countries, even though we've started here in the US. Um, I'll also say, um, uh, the technology itself is very um, international in the sense that it's very visual. Um, you know, I had a superintendent, one of our customers joked with me, he's like, you know, like about open spaces, you could be illiterate and use it. And what he was saying, it's just all very visual. Like you don't really, there's not that many words in our software, you know? So that meant it was possible to bring it to other markets and to, for it to have value before we even localized it. Um, now, of course, that we know that it has value in basically anywhere where there's buildings, we have already invested in, in making it really work in other regions. So from a kind of data security point of view, we are GDPR compliant and we have a team in EMEA that has been actively there and being in that market. Um, we have translated the, the software into different languages um like japanese for example for our japanese customers and so we have teams in you know apac in australia singapore japan and china um so our team is international we we do have people that are on the team all over the world now um to help support the customers pretty much wherever they are finally uh, I, i'm sure that 
it's easy to find you on the on the on the internet. But where where can our listeners find more information on on your products? Yeah, our website is openspace.ai. So type that into your browser, you'll find us. Um, and you know what I would recommend for people that want to learn more about us: if you're on LinkedIn, um, follow us. Uh, and it's not just about us. Um, our customers. Uh, really love to share their stories about what the benefit they get from open space. Um, and you can just kind of scroll around and, and see what people are saying. Um, last but not least, uh, if you go to openspace.ai, you can find our community page. And this is where our user community uh, talks about uh, how they use the technology. And, um, you know, you can listen to us and see what we have to say as a company. And that's great and good, but more valuable is what actually your peers are saying. So encourage you to look at that more, more of the social streams. Thanks, Jeevan, for this opportunity uh, to talk to you again and all the best uh, for the future. Thank you very much. I appreciate the chance to uh, speak with you. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to this podcast and visit aec-business.com, the award-winning blog, for more news and stories. 